0: Let me say that again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me please to the Gospel of St. Mark. St. Mark chapter 11 and verse 22 is where we'll start. Mark 11:22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, in other words, have faith in God, And here's why. Here's why. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. I was praying the other day, and I asked the Lord, How come sometimes don't we see any more than we do, relative to the power of God, relative to answered prayer, which is really where we're taking this series for the next several live programs. And the Lord began to just teach me how, that through life, and through living, and through experience, our hearts are not as quick to believe as they once were, many times. Now, not in every case, but many times. Doubt is that which will rob you of the best God has. And again, please understand me tonight, I'm not talking about mansions and airplanes and all kinds of foolishness, but I'm talking about God has a destiny and a plan for every human life. You are so valuable to Him That he sent his son to die on a cross for you. And there's a reason for that. That's not just something that happened. He has something for you in this life. But as we get older, I know for me, it it, it was my parents died. First of all, before even that, I was just severely betrayed in my life. And these are not excuses. I mean, some of the so-called faith giants are quick to jump on people. And say, well, you can't use that as an excuse. Well, no, nobody's trying to, but hear what I'm saying here. There was this, my life and your life probably isn't that much different. Because we've all had something. Maybe different instances, or maybe different sets of circumstances. But for me, I was just tremendously betrayed. And I think that started it out. And then my parents died. And for the longest time, and even now today, I still wake up. Now, remember, we're talking about just being honest, okay? I still wake up and feel so strange that I'm an orphan on the earth. But Jesus said, glory to God, I will not leave you like an orphan. And praise God, He sends the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to dwell in us, and to give us His touch and His power and His anointing. But I think one thing that really did it for me, as hard as those things were to go through, I mean, they, I'm telling you, in, in many days during those times, all the betrayals, the death, it was clench your fist, grit your teeth, tough to bear situations. But as hard as those were, I think Satan crept in the back door. And he started to set up shop in my thinking process. And it really broke when my Aunt Barb died. And here's the reason why. And I'm going get to off, get off of this really quick because this is really personal and I'm not going to go too far with it. But it happened so fast... And it was so out of the ordinary, and it was so unexpected, and I began to subconsciously think, wow, I'm here right now, but at any moment I could be gone. And that's a true thought, and it's something that we need to recognize as believers, I feel. But at the same time, it began to cripple me in my thinking process, and There came a time here just recently, as I said, I was reintroduced to the ministry of Mylon Lefebvre. And I've spoken with Mylon. And I've I've talked with Mylon. And he began to help me to understand, especially through his broadcasts. that the best thing for me to do was to admit what was going on. And when you admit what's going on, You have a renewal and a refurbishing in your spirit because the Holy Spirit will not leave any one of us to fend for ourselves when the enemy's trying to bash our brains in. And so the bottom line to that, and and I'm going to talk more about this this year as we go through the year, but for a long time I have had some severe bouts of depression. I'm not talking the blues, okay? I'm not talking, I just don't feel right today. I just... You know, I'm kind of bummed. I'm not talking, I'm I'm talking about see the darkness depression. Part of that goes with the territory of entering into spiritual warfare as you see the souls of humanity dropping into hell, and you've got a message that can help them and save them as Jesus saves them because of what he did on the cross. So part of it comes in there. I've talked to I don't know how many preachers, and not just local preachers, but big preachers, who have told me they have fought depression. And, and we've had pastors taking their lives because they didn't know how to cope with these things. For my dollar bill, I don't know about you, but for my dollar, we've had one too many take their lives when there is a victory to be had. But that victory starts with honesty. And when someone is honest with you, Christian, listen to me. If you don't know what to say, don't feel that you have to say anything. And for goodness sake, don't say stuff like, well, you're going to have to get over that. As well-meaning as those words are, they're coming from well-meaning hearts many times, but they hurt. Because it totally delegitimizes what the person is going through. And so I said all that to say this, the first in necessary ingredient to have a successful prayer life or a life of answered prayer, not just throwing up words, not just hoping that we hit and miss once in a while, but we hit a target, is faith in God. Faith in God. We have got to know, we have got to understand, that God didn't lie. I don't know why certain things happen to people. And I don't know what valley you're walking through. But I know this, that the Word of God is true. And God told the truth. And He doesn't lie. And He said, in His Word, here in Mark 11:23, if you say to the mountain, "Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea," and shall not doubt in His heart. And so we look at our hearts, and we allow the Holy Spirit to identify those things in our hearts that are are lies, absolute strongholds of the enemy that keep us in bondage. Okay, and we say then. We don't doubt in our heart, but we believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to take that to the extreme that many people do. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Something will happen to your, to your spirit. Something will happen to your mind when you just begin to say, You know, Lord, I don't have any strength within myself, but when I am weak, you are strong. And you just begin to praise the Lord and, and speak the Word back to God. I don't go too much for this stuff of sitting in your house and saying, well, I have a Cadillac in the driveway. I have a Cadillac. I have a Cadillac. Uh, you know, a year later, two years later, ten years later, still ain't no Cadillac. Because that's not what this verse is talking about. And oftentimes, as we'll see in a moment when we get to the second ingredient, we'll see that the biggest mountain that we have to move is ourselves and so i began to talk to myself about the truth of the word of god again i know where my where my people are my people are in heaven i'm going to see them again one day glory be to god the blood of jesus cannot fail i began to talk to myself i I don't have to why are you so cast down O my soul Hope thou in God, the scripture says. And I just began to do... And that was rebirthed in my life during this time uh, where, where there were days I was in absolute despair. Not knowing. I would try to put my hand on a thing... And I, and I was preaching to people. And I was seeing people saved. And I was seeing people set free and delivered from the powers of hell. But Satan was fighting to keep me in a mental prison. Trying to destroy me. And I got news for you. This ain't the good news, but the good news comes from this. Satan's going to try that every single day of your life. His object is your faith. He wants to take your faith from you. He wants to weaken you. He wants to make you drop down as nothing and never do the destiny that God ordained for you to do. The good news is there's victory over it. First of all, we have to have faith in God. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus said, in other words, because this is true, This is a bootress. Because this is true, I say to you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now here's the key. If you're walking with God, where you should be walking with God, doing your best. No Christian's perfect. And sometimes we all get motives and objectives in us That really didn't come from the Holy Spirit. It came from our own wants and desires and minds. But what this is talking about here, when you're praying God's desires for you, and it all goes back to the Word of God, you know the will of God is for you to live the more abundant life. And that has absolutely nothing to do with circumstances or materiality, although it can translate into that. But the abundant life is the fruit of the Spirit. The abundant life is to lay your head on your pillow at night and there's peace with God because you know your sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus. The abundant life is that you're able to believe God to increase your situation on a daily basis and provide you with the things you need. On and on and on it goes. It's a spiritual reality that translates into the physical. But the physical's not where it starts. It's a, How many know it's abundant life to when those dark thoughts of the enemy begin to come into your mind? This time, you meet them at the door with thus saith the Lord. And I, I'm not saying that you'll never get depressed again. I'm saying that it'll take longer and longer and longer each time. We've got to understand that as long as we're in these physical bodies and de- depression can have physical causes too i mean your thyroid might be off it's something just as simple as that i mean there's a lot of factors that go into this but the bottom line is faith in god in verse 25 now i want to skip over that faith just a little bit but i do want to read one more verse so go to hebrews chapter 4 in verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. I'm going to hurriedly read this and then get into the second point because I want to spend a little more time there. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. The Word of God is also a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And sometimes when you don't know what to do, when you don't know how to react, when you don't know the proper way to turn, you know, you just begin to read the Word of God and you don't even have to look for places that address your situation. Just start reading the Word of God and light will come. And it will, it will discern, the Word will discern. You see, you hear people all the time, I have great discernment in my life. I have great discernment. Well, really it's the Word of God in you and the Holy Spirit in you that has the discernment. Because human beings are, you know, we're, sheep are dumb. And we're not much smarter left to our own devices. So it's the Word of God. We believe the Word. When, when the Word says, by His stripes I am healed, I say, yes, Lord. Well, what if I don't get it? Well, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep saying, yes, Lord. And I guarantee you, I'll, I'll make a guarantee to you right now tonight, everybody gets healed. Healing always comes. Sometimes you get healed immediately. Immediately. Other times you get healed over time, and sometimes you get healed in heaven. But healing always comes. God told the truth, and we need to settle that in our heart right now. So back to Mark 11, chapter 20, uh, chapter uh, 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses but if you do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses that's very very plain and i've heard people try to explain that oh jesus didn't really mean that he wouldn't he would refuse to forgive if you do well that's what it says And I heard Mylon say the other day on a program, we're actually posting the Fruit of the Spirit series on our Connect site, and I believe it was in the Peace uh, program, which is, we have three of them up there now, and the last one we put up was Peace. I'm trying to put them in order. But people say, you know, it's, it's too hard to forgive. That is not true. That is not true. What most people are really saying and what they really mean when they say that is I'm mad and I don't want to forgive. And I know I'm disobeying God and I don't care because I was wronged. Now that's the, that's the truth and it isn't going to do us any good to sugarcoat it because what did Jesus call us to do? Take up our cross. You think a cross feels good? You think a cross felt good that they nailed the Savior to? Of course not. The cross goes against our flesh and our own desires. Now, I'm telling you, if you want to have a successful prayer life and you want to see answers to prayer that surpass the ones you have seen so far, you're going to have to walk in love. And you're going to have to learn how to swear to your own hurt. In other words, if you give your word, when you said, I am a Christian, I'm following Jesus, you're, you're going to make mistakes from time to time, but your bottom line is, I want what he wants. And if he tells me to love my enemy, then I need to love my enemy. And that don't mean tell them off first. It just means I need to love my enemy. And that is a key to answered prayer. In the next few months, we're going to be talking several series on prayer. The next one's going to be prayer harvests. And we're going to take a look at some principles that God introduced way back in the Old Testament prophets to help us to see how harvest actually works when you're talking about the realm of prayer. You know how it works? Just like it does in every other realm. You have to sow a seed in order to have a harvest. You see, the, the the faith people aren't wrong when they say that. That's absolutely right. You sow a seed before you reap a harvest. Now, that's different than an attack of the enemy. An attack of the enemy comes, I don't care how many good seeds you've sowed. Attacks of the enemy doesn't mean that it's your fault. It doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. But in harvesting, that's a different story. And we all make mistakes in harvesting and we hopefully learn from those mistakes and go forward from there. And one of the biggest mistakes we make, because we're we're living in a fast-paced world, we're living in a digital world, we're living in a time where it just seems like we're bombarded with negativity and with opinions that are counter to our own, whatever the case might be. But we find ourselves harboring things inside of us that God never intended to be there. Do you know how fear and hatred and anger and bitterness and division got into the earth? It was when man fell and opened the doors for that tempter to come in. And and God never intended for us to have any of this in our lives. It all comes from Satan. It all comes from just the way we have tossed God's desires aside, but yet we, we think sometimes we're living in His desires, but really, they're our own. So it's pretty plain what this means. If you do not forgive neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespass. That doesn't deal so much with your eternal state as it does with the way you're living now and the things you're sowing and reaping in your life today. In other words, unforgiveness can be a block against your prayers being answered and it will not be lifted until you repent. And the word repent, Christian... Don't let that word scare you. Because it's not just sinners that need to repent. It's, it's not just people who don't know the Lord. It's all of us. We've made some mistakes. We've made some mistakes, haven't we? And so if I need to say, hey man, I've got to repent over this. That should be acceptable in the body of Christ. We shouldn't have to hide it. Because we fear that somebody's going to judge us and say, oh, what big sin are you doing? No, we we need to be honest. And we need to be open. And we need to stop contradicting God in the way we live our lives. Okay. So, the first two, pretty cut and dried. Faith and forgiveness. Now I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. A few weeks ago I gave an entire message on 2 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, I want to read that from the NLT. And I want you to see what's being said here a little clearer, perhaps. In the NLT, it says, They trusted God. Let's see. Uh, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. <laughs> do you, how, how much of our society today, beauty... Is emphasized on the outward, how we looked, what kind of clothes we buy, on and on. But this says this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God, and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham, and called him her master. Now I'm going to clarify that, so don't. Don't jump up tear your clothes and throw dirt in the air. Okay. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. So the third necessary ingredient, and this one right here, the church today has just dropped the ball time and time and time and time again on it, is fidelity. Fidelity. And fidelity is not simply... Not committing adultery, not looking at other women, all of that kind of thing. Not looking at other men, whatever the case might be. But fidelity is a heart issue. Every one of the forces of life are heart issues. They start in the human heart. Before I was saved, I had had little to no fidelity. Before I was saved, I had little to no honesty. Before I was saved, I had little to no peace or joy or any of that kind of thing. That comes from the Holy Spirit when you're born again. And you have to exercise it to keep it strong in your life. Here's what this first means. There's nothing worse than a a big bully. And so, you know, brothers, you're not supposed to go in and dictate your, your wife's life for her and tell her every move she can make and on and on and on it goes. And wives... You're really not supposed to, if, if both you and your husband are saved, you're really not supposed to set the spiritual pace and tone of the home. That, that is a man's role, but the man is to do it with understanding and treating his wife with respect and considering her opinion and putting her opinion into action whenever possible. I think there are some times when men do see the dangers of certain things maybe. And so they say, hey, I want you to be careful there. I don't really want you to do that. And that's that's what we're here for. But we are here to consider them and to treat them with dignity and respect. Nobody likes a big bully. And nobody likes a lady who is domineering over everything. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to drive yourself nuts if you try to control everything going on in your life. You need to give it up and get into line with this word right here. And you guys do this together. And you attack your problems together and you lift one another up. And the Bible says you'll have a prayer life that will not be hindered. The scripture says, if any two of you shall agree as to touching anything that should be asked, it will be done for them. I want to tell you guys something. Some of of my brothers right now, you need to take an active interest in your wife's spiritual development. You don't want to pass that buck and leave it to the TV preacher. Alright? You want to take an active interest. You want to do things with your wives and with your husbands. You want to read the Word together. It's it's not enough to just go to church on Sunday morning together. I mean, a lot of people think, well, I've done done the Christian thing, man. We went to church as a family, whatever. That's not enough. It never has been enough, but in today's, Horrible spiritual warfare climate that we live in, you guys really should have a family altar. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, like to, to brag about what Angie and I do or anything, but we study something together every single day. And I don't say, I don't, and I've been tempted to say this in the past, honestly, okay, so I'll just be honest with you, but I don't say I don't have time to do that today because it's too expensive not to. And so even if we just spend a few minutes together looking at a verse of Scripture that blessed us throughout the day, or whatever, we are helping one another. We are building one another up. And that builds for, and it makes for a strong prayer life. So we have faith. These are real simple. I don't know, some people thought they were going to hear some Something real deep, but it is deep. You know, the the firm foundation of God's Word is as deep as it gets, and you can never exhaust it. We have faith. We have forgiveness. We have fidelity. And the fourth one if we want to pray and get mighty answers to prayer that will blow your mind in the days that we're living in, how many of you have loved ones? that need to be saved how many of you need a raise in pay on your job how, how many of you like angie and i we need more partners to come alongside us in this ministry to get bibles into more prisons and and preach to more people at churches where they can't afford to pay us anything all right We well, got to have faith in god you got to operate in forgiveness and love you got to have fidelity and fourthly you have to have fruit fruit faith forgiveness fidelity and fruit the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5 which is where we're going now is not optional if you have an apple tree I have one in my backyard and it only grows apples every other year and it's starting to go even skip more years you know why because that tree's sick that tree's diseased. And so if you're a Christian and the fruit of the Spirit only comes out of you once in a while, you're sick. And you need to get healthy. And the way you get healthy is through the Word of God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that comes through faith in Jesus. So let's read in Galatians. I'm almost done uh, for this night tonight. I didn't know for sure I was going to preach live. I was going to air a pre-record. But I felt like, what the heck, I'm going to give it a try. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I kind of think it was pretty cool that the Holy Spirit put that in there, other sins like these, because, you know, we wouldn't have time to write all the sins down. You know what I mean? So there's a spirit about this thing. This here happens to be the spirit of the flesh. This here is what is produced. It doesn't say, if you notice here, it doesn't say anything in there about demon spirits. This is what is produced by the flesh of the fallen nature of man. And if a Christian gets their focus off of Christ, and if they don't attend to their own spiritual focus, this comes out, the fallen nature once again begins to dominate and take control of a born-again Christian. And and I'm gonna tell you this, I gotta say it, I'm being a little bit repetitive. Like I told you, I'm on medication, so not my fault. I want to tell you something, most Christians that I've ever met in my life don't want to sin, and they would not tell you it's okay to sin, and they would even tell you they hate sin, and yet they find themselves sinning. Read about the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, and one of the reasons is because their focus is not on Christ. I mean, you can even get your focus off of Christ and onto the storm and end up seeing manifestations of the sinful, carnal nature. And it produces these things that we've just read. I tell you again, let me tell you again, he says, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces notice that phraseology the Holy Spirit produces we could think of it like this I can put on a love face I can put on a joy face I can even put on a self-control face and I can put on a goodness face but the, when the Holy Spirit produces it in me it is honest It is real. It is deep. And it becomes rooted in my life. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, you get it when you're born again. But it has to be cultivated. And it has to be cared for. And that constant friction that's going on between my flesh and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is never-ending in the life of a child of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Now, patience and kindness, I kind of like the King James word that's used in there. It's called long-suffering. Patience and kindness are kind of tied together in one thought and it's this. I suffer long under a particular circumstance or a particular situation and I respond the way God wants me to respond. So in in this instance I absolutely happen to believe that the King James actually translates it best but you understand patience and you understand kindness Long-suffering is to be in a condition for a long time and still respond as the Lord Jesus Christ would want you to respond. Also, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I mean, if you're walking in the fruit of the Spirit and you're letting God develop and cultivate them in your life, there is no law that can put you in jail. There is nothing that can condemn you at the judgment seat of Christ because you're walking in the Holy Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another. Or be jealous of one another. Now if the early church had these issues, how much more do you think we're dealing with them today at the very end of days? At the very end of time? As time is literally running out and ticking away on us, Jesus is soon to come back. Satan is fighting with ferocity because he knows he has but a short time. How much more should you and I want to be the kind of Christians that God wants us to be and so as we go into this year and I'm going to close this message without an invitation which I usually do give people an invitation to decide something in their own heart I'm going to leave that up to the Holy Spirit and you tonight but I want to say this as I close and then we're going to go back into music and I'm going to come back in a little while uh with some pretty important announcements but um We really need to allow people to own what they've been dealing with without looking at them as if they were lesser, alright? Now, one thing we love to do in this ministry, and last, on the last program I read a few of the prayer requests that we got from a penitentiary in Virginia. We love to pray and see deliverance come to people. But you know, if the person wouldn't have been honest and wrote their need down on the paper, and here's something else the Holy Spirit's just shown me in my heart right now, just now as I'm talking. How many of you have ever been in an old Pentecostal church and somebody would raise their hand every time and say, I have an unspoken prayer request? Now, oh Lord help me here. I'm about to mess somebody up. Sometimes that's okay, but there might be times in your life when God wants you to, to own up to what you're struggling with. Not, not own up to me, but own up to yourself. It's, it's just really easy for us to not call, I mean it's really easy for me to call my depression a bad day. It's really easy for us to not call what we're involved with what it really is. And we've already lost the battle when we do that. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have unspoken prayer requests, but you understand, I believe that many of those men in that penitentiary, when they wrote down on that paper and sent it in what they needed to be delivered from, I believe God delivered them. Maybe even before I ever got a chance to see it or pray over it at all, because they admitted it to themselves and obviously it was on their mind bothering them, And they turned from it, and God met them at the point of their need. We're going to see things just exactly like that in unprecedented ways in the coming days. People that you thought could never get saved are going to get saved. Bondages that you thought would never be broken are going to be broken. But we as a church, we have got to police our own mind, heart, and attitudes. And let me say it again, this is all grace, folks. None of us are ever going to be 100% perfect every minute of every day. So why don't you start cutting one another some slack? And if something's really bothering you, why don't you say, let's let's pray about this. Well, I, I don't want to appear holy, holy. Well, why not? You are. You're holy. Jesus died to make you holy. If we can't pray together, we're not much of a church. If we can't forgive one another, we're not much of a church. If we can't help one another out of their pits that they fall into, and, you know, Satan is setting a trap for every person right now. Satan is setting a trap, and people fall into it. I have, you have, if we can't rescue them without judging them then we've got serious issues and once again I got to say these things because you know detractors are just ready to write you know but I'm not saying don't stand up against sin and I'm not you know me folks you've heard me preach for a long time and I preach against sin but I want to tell you something we don't want to preach against sin with a cold and indifferent heart to the person who's suffering under the weight and the guilt of their sin. And especially if they're brothers and sisters in Christ because they, chances are they don't want to be there. Chances are they don't want to be doing what they're doing. You know, I firmly believe, I firmly believe that worry is a sin. And yet, how many times have I fallen into that trap of the devil? Why is it a sin, and why does God hate sin? Let's deal with that just for a moment before we close today. God hates sin because sin weakens your faith. God hates sin because sin causes death. And when I am convinced, and if you look at the Scripture, you will probably concur But I'm convinced that when God looks at sinful humanity, in that sin, we all disgust Him. But when He looks at someone who's hurting and and trying to come out of that sin, I don't believe He looks at them with disgust. We do sometimes. But I don't believe that God does. I believe God is disgusted by sin as sin, but God has heart Beating with compassion for the sinner. And that's why we're still on this planet. We have not been taken to heaven yet because God is giving mercy for more people to get saved. God is giving mercy for more people to come and acknowledge Christ. And when Christ comes in, He begins to change your life. It ain't going to happen overnight. You are not going to get perfect tomorrow. But God will begin to do a work in you the moment you come to Jesus. And people are going to tell you right away. People are going to tell some of you, you know, people have told me this. They knew who I was 15 years ago. And they're going to come and they're going to say, well, you can't possibly have the kind of faith that's needed. You can't possibly do this. You can't possibly... You did this and you did that and you did the other. I want to tell you what I did according to the Word of God. You want to, you want to know what I've done and what you have done as well. Nothing... Because when you go to God in repentance, when you see a character flaw or when you see an area of your life that you're in error and you repent over it, He washes it away with the blood of Jesus. He doesn't paint over it and so that the rust can come through and expose it six years down the line. You are clean by the word that God has spoken. It's time that we treat one another that way. And if, if, if a brother or a sister needs correction, we can go up beside them and say, hey man, you know, look, look here, did you see what the scripture said right here? And we can do it in a loving way. But we don't want to make people feel like, well, I can't tell nobody because they're all going to think I'm some freak monster or something. We, we, we just can't, we can't do business like that. So these elements are what we're going to be dealing with. Faith, forgiveness, fidelity, and fruit. And I believe that God's going to do a mighty work in our lives in this year.